1: Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90-Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and on this edition of the show, uh, we're going to be continuing to react to Arsenal's transfer window. We're going to be having a bit more of a wider and general conversation about the knock-on effects of Arsenal's January transfer window, what it might mean uh, between now and the end of the season. And in the interest of fairness, I've brought somebody on in my good friend Dan Potts who's got a different view to me on the, on the transfer window and look a lot of the time you know one of the criticisms that that I get in the chat is that you know I people say that I don't bring on people who have a different opinion to me and I don't think that's fair because Dan's on quite regularly and we've got lots of people that come on and disagree with me but um I thought this was a really important time to to try and strike that balance i.e. bring the two sides of the debate to the table, because there is a lot of uh, division in amongst the fans at the moment. You can find some fans on social media telling you that this was a brilliant window because we managed to move out dead wood and we managed to resolve the Aubameyang situation perhaps 18 months ahead of schedule. And there are others who think it was a complete and utter travesty. And I think the answer really is somewhere in between. But Dan, welcome to the show, mate. How are you doing, first of all?
0: I'm good, Harry. Thanks for having me on, mate. Um, I'd like to say that I am really, really angry with a shambolic window, but I'm kind of just come to expect this now. And I kind of called it in the first week and everyone was saying, calm down, there's ages to go yet. And I just didn't expect this window to be a good one. So I'm not as angry as perhaps I should be, because I think that I completely lost my head last year and the kind of same things that I've been saying is becoming a little bit tiresome now, even for myself, because it does get boring saying the same things and saying to people, I've kind of been saying this for a while. Why are you so shocked? Because for me, it's obvious what was going to happen. And when it got to the last day of the window, (laughs) it unfortunately was going to come true. So I suppose I should be a little bit more angry than I am. But I'm trying to just move on from it now. I personally, Harry, I'm not a fan of this January transfer window. Anyway, I'm not a fan of the transfer windows, but um, I I particularly hate this one in the winter. um, And I'm just glad it's over with you, brother, if I'm honest with you. Do you think there's an element
1: of the fact that this transfer window exists that almost heaps pressure on football clubs to go and do business, even though it might not always be the right thing? Now, if you look at the big movers in this January transfer window, the clubs that really did get in on this and really did sort of make serious moves. You're probably looking at Aston Villa, who got a new manager in, so it's only natural that he'd want to bring in some players that he feels suit the setup. Everton, who are in a shit position, and, and Newcastle United, who are staring relegation in the face. Doesn't that say to you that this transfer window is a transfer window at which clubs that are normally up shit street need to act in?
0: What it says to me, in particular in this window, is the teams that needed to recruit players were the teams that needed to recruit players, bar Arsenal. Um, The only other club I can put into that category are probably Manchester United. But everybody else did something, it seems. Whether you think that it was enough or not, they've done something. Liverpool, Manchester City didn't really need to do anything, in my opinion, but they still did. And we see a lot of clubs like the Everton's, they had to react. The um, Newcastle's, they had to react to try and stay up. Burnley went and got themselves a centre forward. Brighton went and uh, got their squad sorted. So you look at the teams there and think it might be hard, but actually the teams that have strengthened are the teams that, for whatever reason, felt they needed to strengthen. And Arsenal were definitely one of them. So I don't really take the it's really hard to get players in January attitude because we should already excuse me, have our business planned out so that we're ready to swoop in January. And it was quite clear at Arsenal that that just was not the case. But okay, let me let me look at this from the other way. Then did you
1: expect after the summer window that we had in terms of the volume of players that we brought in and the amount of money that we spent that Arsenal were planning big things in January?
0: I expected to see a set of forward and a defensive midfielder come into the side. I don't care if they cost you 150 million or I don't care if they cost you 50 million combined. We should have players that are going to be upgrades on this side. Now, there are plenty of players, Harry, out there that would have been upgrades on this side. But I don't feel personally that we looked at those targets. Now, I don't have any, <clears throat> excuse me, in to the club. I have no inside knowledge. I have no ITK that tells me who was are signing, who we're interested in. For all I know, we could have been interested in five players and it didn't work out. We could have looked at five players and thought, actually, they won't upgrade us, so haven't bothered. I don't know what the ins and outs are. The one thing I will say is we've not just bought a free transfer to panic like Diego Costa on a free or Jack Wilshere in on a free. I would not have been a fan of that because, for me, that doesn't upgrade the side. It just... Is a like for like, if I'm honest, if Diego Costa probably won't score any more goals than Lacazette would. Jack Wilshire probably won't put in uh, the performances that somebody like uh, Thomas Party would put in. So for me, it's not really an upgrade. As much as I like the sentimental factor of Ramsey and Wilshire, they just weren't real options for me, in my opinion. So did I expect to go big? The reason I expected to go big is because of a position that we we find ourselves in two years running, in eighth. And I feel that we are in the need to go big to try and push ourselves towards what I think is the target and should be the target, which is top four. Now, Vlavic and Bruno Gomorraez, if they were two players that we were interested in, I think personally they would have both given us a great shout of pushing towards top four because they're upgrades on both Lacazette and Granit Xhaka. If they're not interested in coming to Arsenal, that's not Arteta or Edu's fault. But the ambition is there. So when I saw us go for Vlahovic, I thought that's great, absolutely fantastic. I love the f- love the player. I think he would definitely take us forward. What happens when both of them do not want to come though? And the answer was nothing. And hey,
1: well, hold on, hold on. Do we know? We don't know that Bruno Gimaraich didn't want to come. We know that Dusan Vlahovic chose to join Juventus over Arsenal. But with Bruno Gimareich, yep. I'm 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 convinced. In fact, I'm certain that had Arsenal wanted Bruno Gimaraich. They could afford a the forty million odd price tag that was set by Leon, and there's no way that he picks a relegation scrap over London life
0: and a chase for the Champions League. Come on, surely! And do you know what? I 100% agree with you. So, what do we do after that then? You know, we go for we. So Bruno Guimaraes does. It, we don't go in for him, right? Because clearly he'd, he probably would choose Arsenal over Newcastle. So who do we then go in for? Do we even want a centre midfielder? Do we need a defensive midfielder? This is all the questions I'm asking. When we've got five now in, in there for our squad strength depth, unless it's an upgrade on Granite Chaka, I don't really want one coming in. Yeah, because we've got enough of them in that position. So concentrate on who your plan B is. Vlajic says no. I'm off the Juve. I don't know who our plan B is. Was our plan B Alexander Izak? We don't know. Were we willing to play that much? We we still don't know this. But to sit there and come away and go, actually, there is nobody. We're just going to clear out more players. That, to me, is crazy. It's an absolute shambles of a window. The only one that matches this, and this one's worse, by the way, the only one that matches it is when we sign Petacek and no outfield players. (laughs) That is the only one that comes close to even seeing how bad this one is. This one is like saying, I tell you what, we'll do half the job. We'll just clear out more players and wait till the summer until we get more players in. That, to me, just weakens your squad. Because, actually, I don't give a damn about any of the players we've left let go. I think that most of them are trash. There's only Maitland-Niles, I think, could have done a job in January for us. All the other of them can leave. Absolutely. See you later. But if we're not going to replace any of them, surely it's best to keep them in case you get injuries. Do you
1: you think the outrage would be as as common as it is if we hadn't let players go? Because I feel like what's kind of happened here and, and... This is what I feel people have kind of been sucked into a little bit. And listen, everyone's entitled to their view. But the way I see this is Arsenal going to the North London derby, okay, and get the game postponed because they don't have players. The the North London derby has been postponed. And the media narrative immediately is, look at Arsenal. What a disgrace, what a shambles Arsenal are. They are cancelling, postponing a game and letting players go out the door at the same time. And this whole media narrative about Arsenal leaving themselves short and being in a a really bad place in terms of the squad size, I think has caused a lot of Arsenal fans to panic about the squad size. Now, if you think about the team we've got available now, it is thin. but We've got one game a week. We've only got our, what, 17 or so league games remaining. And in a lot of ways, having a smaller, more talented and closely knit squad might benefit us. Now, I was—we uh, did a show earlier on today with Adrian Clark, and one of the things he talked about, and it was a good point that he he raised. And listen, this is something that has the potential to backfire. But I, I think where I'm coming from on this is, let's see what happens before we say it's a failure. As a, as a football manager, as a Premier League manager, you have to act with foresight. You have to look ahead and and see what you think and make your decisions based on that, and then you'll live and die by them. As fans, we don't have to do that. We don't have to jump to conclusions one way or the other. We don't have to say it was a great window, and we don't have to say it was a bad window. We will only really know how good the window was at the end of the season. How many times over the years, in recent years in particular, have we gone, my God, look at the business Everton have done in the summer, and look where they are. So the point I'm trying to make here is that Sometimes I think we go into these panic modes and this kind of frenzy about stuff when we don't actually know how this is going to work out. Is that is that not a fair comment?
0: That's a fair comment, but we know that it takes an ACL to Lacazette and a six-week-out injury to Tommy Asu, and we're screwed. Whereas before, we would have had an option of Callum Chambers, we would have had an option of Aubameyang, we would have had an option of even Balogun. I don't understand the Balogun in anything, by the way. Why are we getting someone to sign a five-year contract and keeping the one that don't want to be here? Very bizarre. So I think when you look at it, we could have had a stronger side. If Gabriel gets a knock, we've got no left-footed centre-back, which apparently is something Mikel Arteta is a genius for getting in. I don't really get it, mate. I don't really get why we're getting rid of all these players. Why did we have to get rid of those players? That's what I don't get. It's like we're getting rid of players to clear out the wage bill. Everyone's to clear out the wage bill. Someone big's coming in. And everyone's waiting there going, who's going to come in then? Christ, which one's coming in? No one is. We just get rid of players for the fun of it. Why? Why did we need to? What was so bad to get? Those, home? Why did? Ha- why did those players have to go now? Why could they not have gone in the summer? Why was it now think, they had to go? Do you, so January no can answer went that. by.
1: January went by, and we were short in midfield. And I think you could make a really strong argument that says we screwed up by allowing Maitland-Niles to go when we let him go. Now we we you know can't justify it, that. Disgrace we know the club's one. explanation for it. We know what that what was said. We know that Ainsley maitland Nasr made it clear he wanted to go. And we know that he and Mikel Arteta had a verbal agreement. And, and from fear of the transfer breaking down, Arsenal felt they had to let him go. Now, you could still argue, even with the reasoning, that that was a bad move and an irresponsible move. But then you get to the end of January. You've not done anything yet to replace him. And then you're in a position where... By the time we next play, Jaka returns, Partey returns, El Neni returns from Afcon. All of a sudden, you've got four players for three positions. That, sorry, four players for two positions, and it's not that big a deal anymore. The the thing with Callum Chambers, I don't want to see Callum Chambers in the team. Regardless, I don't want to see uh, Pablo Marie in the heart. Who would of our you defense. rather have then? Who would you rather have? Cedric. Well, it's it's clear to me that in Mikel Arteta's mind, whether we agree with this or not. Cedric is higher up the pecking order as a right back than Chambers is because he's turned to him on more occasions. Right. When when the right back's been unavailable, his go to second choice right back for the most part. And it has varied at times, but for the most part has been Cedric. He will probably think in his mind, Mikel Arteta, that actually not only do I have three centre-halves at the club, Takahiro Tomiyasu is a centre-half in a lot of people's eyes. He'll think that Kieran Tierney could tuck in there with Nuno Tavares coming in at left back if necessary. And he's looked at the Callum Chambers situation or the club have looked at the situation. And, And let's make this clear. I don't think this is just Mikel Arteta. I think a lot of these decisions were taken for financial reasons. And I'm sure that comes from way above Mikel Arteta's pay grade. I think that the decision would have been taken to get something in for Chambers. Kolasinac, you had an opportunity with Kolasinac to terminate his contract because he'd found a deal elsewhere, and you save. Do you know why that one makes Liverpool. sense, Harry? Because he's Pardon. the
0: third choice left back. We've got Tavares and Tierney. That one makes total sense for me. And you know, I've never and been Chambers a fan was of the, the guy third anyway. choice right back, Dan. So, so, cha- so with Chambers, that that one. The reason that I would agree with you there on Chambers is if we didn't get rid of Pablo Marie because he can play centre back and right back. Chambers, right? Pablo Marie. What do we do now if say Ben White and Pablo, uh, sorry Ben White and Gabriel get injured? What do we do? We have to play Tommy Asu there, which means Cedric comes in, or we have to play Tierney there and Tavares comes in, and people think that's strong enough. No, play people in their natural position because now you're weakened in two positions. People don't get this. We are, we, we, if someone gets injured in the middle there, we're weakening the right-back and the and the centre-back or the left-back and the centre-back. Why is that okay? No,
1: it's not okay. It's not okay. And, and and I agree with you that you don't want to weaken two positions. It's something that I've banged on about for ages. And it's one of the big criticisms I had of Mikel Arteta when we got dumped out of the Europa League last yeah. season by Villarreal was you took, our in my opinion, our best-performing centre midfielder at the time out of the midfield and you put him at left-back. So you weakened us in two places where you couldn't just put a makeshift left-back in. I completely agree with that. All I'm saying is that I think a lot of the the financial side of these decisions, so IE, and we'll come on to talk about him in a bit properly, but Aubameyang, that was a financial decision. I'm sure that Mikel
0: Arteta... 100%. I think most of them are, mate. I think most of them are, but why why are we doing a financial decisions now when no one's coming in? Do it in the summer and then buy someone with it then. Don't shorten your next three months for no reason and but weaken yourself, not, like you've said, in not, two positions, potentially in a few games. But then Why you're are we doing getting... it? I, no one can ask me why, though, Harry. We still don't because know why we've done it. You're doing it for financial gain. And you're not going to get that financial
1: gain in the summer because Callum Chambers will walk away for free. Serge kalasinach walks away for free. And in the meantime, you've got to pay those guys wages between now and the end of the season. Maitland-Niles, we know the situation with Maitland-Niles. We've been over it a million and one times, so we won't go down that rabbit hole again. And with Pablo Marie, it's a player who wasn't playing, wasn't even getting a look in. I think the the minute he was um, sort of pushed aside by Rob Holding as the third-choice centre-back, I think it was clear... Which is a disgrace, by the way. (laughs) This is the thing. I think Arsenal have done this for financial gain, for financial reasons. And one of the things I'm... and, And listen... I am massively worried that we're short. Like, let's not let's not pretend that we're not.
0: And that's the I mean, that's the main argument here. It's not whether we th- we think they're good enough to come in and do a job, is it? It's the fact that we've left ourselves short. That's what I think. And you know, there's there's. Oh, I was just going to say. I was just going to bring up this this little stat. Go on, I'll let you do it because there are enough players to cover each position, so everyone gets excited still. But for me, we're still short. Go on. I oh, no, we're we're massively
1: short, Dan. We're massively short. You can pretty much cover all the positions with one player, uh, barring one. But it, you're right. The the thing about being short is a massive concern and it's a massive worry. But the reason I'm reluctant to go, oh my god, we've cocked this up and and the season's over, is because we might get away
0: with it. And and I'm what a does that mean, pers- though? What does get away with it mean? We might what not get any injuries? You mean?
1: Yeah, we might
0: we we might get away with it with minimal. Oh, there we go. We're not, uh, we we're might not get away with us. it with minimal
1: injuries. We might get away with it um, with a lot of those guys staying fit and being available. And then, and by come- I get
0: away with it, you mean come fourth?
1: You mean with this team? Is that what you mean? No. Um, uh, listen, I- I've got to be honest. I- you you know because we've had lots of conversations. I never thought we were going to finish fourth anyway. I, I, Do you I think that, it's
0: there for the taking now, though.
1: Um, I think there's more chance of it now because of how the first half of the
0: season's gone. Yeah, but I still don't make us favourites. Do you make us favourites? No, I don't make us favourites because we've got a terrible manager. But I think the team is good enough. I just think, think- that we, now we've weakened it. I think we've made our our chances very very hard. I look at that team there, right? I can't see all the names, but I I look at our best eleven, right. And I do not see that he is miles behind Tottenham, West Ham, or Manchester United. I don't. If you go through that team, right, the only thing that is lacking is goals, which I put down to the, the to the manager because for whatever reason he can't get strikers scoring. Uh, it can't be that all seven of them that he's tried are rubbish. It might, must be a system thing, right? So that's the reason why I don't think we get top four. However, if you look at that team right there, I think the goalkeeper is nowhere near as as bad as Loris. De Gea or Fabianski. That back four is nowhere near as bad as Luke Shaw's, Maguire's, Regulon's, Tan Ganga's, Eric Dyer's, Diop's, um, Ogbonna's. That midfield... Is nowhere near as bad as Fred, McTominay, Oliver Skip, <laughs> uh, these sort of players. That front line, Sackers, Smith Rose, Martinelli's, guards. I'd rather have them over Lucas Moiras. There's only really Kane, Son, Bruno Fernandez, Ronaldo, and maybe Jared Bowen. All the rest of that all the rest of this team would walk into a one to eleven with those three teams. I can maybe Declan Rice is the only other player of the West Ham side. Everything else would be an Arsenal player. So why are people so, oh my God, we cannot compete with West Ham, Tottenham. Am I being fair there? Or is that just ludicrous? Because for me, this team is nowhere near as bad as some of the ones that Man United have put out and Tottenham. So if think, the door's open for top four. I don't think that we, we
1: can accept finishing below West Ham United. I, I don't think that's acceptable. Um, with Tottenham, I think it's touch and go because, because, They've got, uh, at this stage, a a much better manager than us. There's no doubt about that. You know, you can be Mikel Arteta's biggest fan. You can't deny that Antonio Conte is at a much higher level. Um, Always has been and probably always will be. Manchester United have a much better squad than us, though, I believe. I really do. In terms of depth, in terms of match winners, in terms of people who can be... The guys that produce those clutch moments that get you over the light, like Manchester United, could be shit for. They got
0: match minutes. winners, one hundred percent. They are
1: exactly. They've got match winners, and but so they've also got me, dreadful
0: players. <laughs> but at the start of the season,
1: who would you have said would have been the top four? Because I well, would have said City, uh, Liverpool, Chelsea,
0: Man United in whatever order. But that was for me nailed on. So I, I thought that Manchester United would be in the top four until I saw how awful they were. Yeah. And things change. At the start of the season, I didn't think Arsenal would have got into the top four. But when I look at the se- season now, wow, it's open. It's not even just a little bit ajar. It's wide open for Arsenal, West Ham, Spurs or Manchester United. And the reason I think that all of the others have more chance than us isn't because their squad's better. It's because they've got a better managers than ours. Because Ralph Ragnick is getting his feet under the table and Manchester United have lost one game. Conte has lost one league game and one League Cup game. And now you're looking at David Moyes and West Ham, who, by the way, have not got a great squad. They've got a few good players, but they've got the team spirit and the manager, and they've got a chance because of that. I think they'll definitely miss out. It'll be Manchester United or Spurs for me, and I will go Spurs because I think they've got the better manager. So he will work miracles and they'll get fourth. That's what I honestly believe. Manchester United, they've got match winners. But when you take away Varane, you take away Ronaldo, you take away Bruno Fernandes, I think we would... I think, honestly... If, if, if a team was to come in for the 22 Arsenal-Manchester United players, they'd take more Arsenal players. They would. 100% they would. they take about five Manchester United and they take six of ours. So that, to me, doesn't say Man United are leaps ahead. So if Manchester United and Spurs get ahead of us, I don't think that's a good season. I think it's a failure. But would you have said that at the start of the
1: season? You wouldn't have, would you?
0: Uh, I would have about Tottenham, but I wouldn't have about Man United. But look at the way they're playing, Harry. I mean, they don't look great, do they? I don't look at them and go, oh my God, who's going to catch no, they them? They don't. But
1: the, you, you, there's got to be context, Dan, though. Like if, if Arsenal challenge for the top four this season and miss out on it by a handful of points, two, oh, three. We did points. that last year. No, last year we were nowhere near the top four.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, we went, what was it? Was we six points off the top four in the end and we can't yeah, make it? Because,
1: again, context. This is the point. Context oh, okay, is, okay. is important because we went on a good run at the back end of the season or, you know, had a decent run. And obviously Chelsea, I think it was, who ended up finishing fourth, had obviously dropped off, focus shifted to the Champions League. So that's kind of context, right? That And and I'm, you know, I don't say, oh, we were just six points off of the top four because I feel that that doesn't paint the full picture. I think yeah. you have to remember the context at that point and at that time. And, and the point I'm making is that if Arsenal were in the hunt for the top four all the way and miss out by two points, three points. I think you have to say that that is, is progress and it's been a better season. And I don't think that anybody we would have bought in, in this window, Vlavic or not, would have guaranteed the top four because I don't think any of us sides, not us, not Tottenham, not West Ham, not Manchester United can say that we are guaranteed it because none of us are good enough. I think some teams have a greater chance. I believe United are still the favourites and I think they'll probably end up there.
0: But I can't nothing's, guarantee nothing's guaranteed. Nothing's guaranteed in football, bro. I get that. I'm totally with you. What I'm saying is, I personally feel that, at least, and this is not me saying Arsenal are going to get top four, by the way, because I've told you already, I think we'll come seventh this year. I think it'll, if we lose to Wolves, he might come eighth. But I think we'll come seventh this year and I think he should go. But the door is wide open for Arsenal to get top four. We've got one game a week. Everyone's saying it's a good squad for us now. There's nobody I know that's saying, wow, this squad is absolutely horrendous. Everyone keeps saying we had a great window, So it must be that they love this side and they think that we're going to score goals. So I don't see how (laughs) one minute we can be, you know, oh, this this guy is just the absolute best manager we've ever seen and he's going to turn things around and everyone should be happy because we're going in the right direction. But then it's okay to come sixth. Or 7th, because it's progress I saw the other day. <laughs> Please raise the standards of this football club. We are the third biggest team in England, right? And we are accepting mediocrity year upon year. We never accepted it under Unai Emery. We never accepted it under Arsene Dengar. And now we're accepting it under a different manager because they like the way that his hair looks. It's just a madness. I don't get That's any of this though,
1: That's not why though, is it, Dad? That's
0: not... That's
1: not why people like me are willing to give it a bit more time. It's not why people like me are patient because I like Mikel Arteta's hair. He's got a fantastic hairline. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, but I'm, I'm jealous reason. of it
0: as well. That's why I brought it up <laughs> tongue in cheek. But <laughs> I do feel personally that there is a lot of love and protection for this manager. Even yesterday, don't blame Arteta. Don't blame Arteta. Don't you don't you dare go near my Mikel. Well, it is but, his fault yeah, as well, you know. Do you, do you like, think come he,
1: on. Do, do you think that he didn't want to get Dusan Vlavic in the door?
0: Do you think that he no, doesn't? I, want I said to work right at the top with... of the show that I thought it was great ambition from Mikel Arteta, but I can't sit there and shake his hand now and say, "Do you know what, mate? What a window you've had, son. Well played." And the other thing is, don't blame Mikel Arteta for this window. Don't don't praise him for the signings he made in the summer. Then you can't have it both ways. We should be praising Edu then, should we, in the summer now? Because it's nothing to do with Mikel yesterday. Oh well, you didn't say Can't blame Mikel for that. Well, don't praise him for the signings of Tommy Asu and Ramsdale. Then it's nothing to do with him. Apparently now, nothing to do with him at all. Like, where is it then? There's got to be some consistency here, Harry. I don't understand the section of the fans that do not want to criticise everybody yesterday. How can Arteta be sitting there covered in roses and the rest of them are are a load of absolute buffoons? For me, they are supposed to be a team. Stan Kroenke is supposed to support them. If Kroenke's given them money for Vlavic and it was rejected, that means Stan Kroenke has given them money. Josh Kroenke, we don't hear anything from as well as St- silent Stan, his dad. So, Vin- um, so uh, Edu sorry, and Arteta have got, we believe, £60 million to spend yesterday. And they decided that there was nobody they wanted to bring into the club. That, to me, doesn't say, do you know what, guys? Fair play. Progress. We're learning from our mistakes. We're not panic buying. All nonsense, I've heard. Absolute nonsense. I can't understand anybody defending this window. It has been a shambles. There's no excuses for this. We are an ACO away from playing Eddie Nketiah up front. (laughs) He hasn't scored a goal all season. And people are happy with this. They think this is fine because we've only got one game a week. Lacazette has scored three goals this season. And we've got rid of another striker. Two strikers, by the way. We, We already needed one. So now we needed, what, three? It's a madness. We got none. And people are like, so, so, don't worry, right, so, it's fine. So, it's not so fine. Who would, who would you have gone out
1: and got then? Because all I, I hear is problems, but I never hear solutions from anybody. Who would you have gone out and got in this window that was attainable that would have taken this team to that next level? That would have been uh, no guarantees because that's impossible, but been as close to guaranteeing us a march towards the top four. Who would you have gone out and got?
0: So the first two are unrealistic. One of them I thought was realistic, but it turns out he wanted to go to Juventus. I would have gone for Vlavic. Then I would have gone for Dominic Calvert-Lewin, which is the unrealistic one, because Everton don't want to get rid of him due to their issues. And I totally understand why they wouldn't have wanted to get rid of him. Then I would have gone for Alexander Izak because I believe that he's got the potential and this link-up play with Erdegaard would have been decent. For 90 million
1: euros? You'd have paid 90 million euros?
0: I don't care how much it costs. We needed a striker. Harry. We've yeah, got ourselves in this mess. Yeah, Dan, we're going to have to get that. We're going to have to get one in over the line. It doesn't matter how much it costs. That's
1: not how football works, though, is it? That's not how business works. Well, It works. works
0: with Pepe. It works with Pepe. So and look what happened know, to we... Raúl. Look what happened
1: to Raúl after that. KSC brought someone in to investigate that deal and a number of others, and he got pushed out the door.
0: So so that one's unrealistic. Okay. So who do we go to next? You go over to Brentford and try and get Ivan, Ivan Tony. You go over to Aston Villa and try and get Ollie Watkins. Oli Watkins and Ivan Tony, are they going to take it to the top four? Probably not, but they're going to do better than Eddie and Ketia and Lacazette. They've yeah, already scored it's, more it's, goals it's than them combined. It's it's a madness. We needed to get a striker in. You can't just say there's no one available in January. We're giving up now. Go and get somebody in.
1: It's no, a madness. This is, this is the point you're missing because. You say that you wanted Dusan Vlavic, who's a, a big investment, who's someone that has the potential to explode and become maybe one of the best strikers in the world. Okay, I agree with you. I would have loved to have seen Dusan Vlavic come to this club. But you miss out on Dusan Vlavic, you can't get him in this summer. Alexander Isak, Real Sociedad weren't budging. We tried. Arsenal tried. Arsenal lodged the £58 million bid which is around about €75 million, euros, which in itself is too much.
0: So we've got money. So we've got money then. So we have yeah, got we've money. got money.
1: We've got money. So you, you go make that offer. It gets knocked back. There has to be a point where you walk away from a deal. There has to be a point where you go, no, you're taking the piss out of me now, and I'm going to walk away from this. And Arsenal walked away from it. You're saying go get somebody like Ollie Watkins and go and get somebody like Ivan Toney. We could have got both of them for €58 million. And then in the same sentence, though, you're saying... You're saying none of them are going to take uh, are going to take us up to the top four, and I agree with that. But buying one of those now will hinder us in the summer because you then shave into and dig into the budget that you would have in the summer. This club operates in a certain way. I don't like it. You don't like it. No, ask so we had no money then at all to get a striker this summer, is what you're saying? Because otherwise, you no, won't get one. I'm in not the saying summer. that. I'm saying there so was money available to spend it on the right player. If Arsenal found an option, a player that they believed would be the answer for the long term, they'd have gone out and done it. And they showed that they were willing to go out and do it by making offers for both Vlahovic and Alexander Isak. But what they're not willing to do is do what we've done for the past decade, which is what got us in this mess in the first place. Drafting up a list of players and working our way down from number one, two, three, four, five, stopping at seven, because that's the guy that will come. That's the guy we can afford. Going and getting that player, and then after 12 months realizing we made a big cock up that's not the guy for us he's not going to take us forward and then being stuck with him on a massive contract. Ollie Watkins ain't good enough Dan. Neither is Ivan Tony. None of these players are going to take Arsenal to the next level. We aimed for the top and we missed out. But Lacazette
0: time. and Eddie are. That's what I don't no, get.
1: No nobody no but you've you've already got them. You're not proactively going and bringing them in. You're not proactively parting with a shit ton of money to bring in Lacazette. He's already at the football club and Eddie Enquetia is obviously someone that's there and they're using him because it's convenient. Not because they want him. Otherwise, they'd have thrown a shit ton of money at you. So you, think,
0: you some... think the window's been okay then? You think that's fine; it's acceptable? I think that the window's been
1: disappointing, but it's been disappointing why? because... Why has it been disappointing? It's been disappointing because we were unable to get our targets. That's why it's been disappointing. It hasn't so... been disappointing because we let a bunch of shit fringe players go. It hasn't been disappointing for any other reason other than we we shot out, we tried to get our top targets, we missed out. And maybe in the summer, we'll be in a better position to go out and go that extra mile and get those deals done. But I would rather... So it hasn't been
0: disappointing because we haven't got a striker? Uh,
1: Listen, in an ideal world, for me, Arsenal would have gone out and brought in a striker on loan for a six-month period, who could come in and provide support. That's what I wanted. That's what I thought was the right move, the sensible move to not commit yourself too much on someone who wasn't going to do the business. A bit like the Artur situation, Dan. He was someone that they wanted to flog to us on an 18-month loan deal. And the Arsenal board blocked that. They blocked it because it was too big of a financial investment to making someone they weren't sure about and, and making those investments in players that we're not sure about is exactly why me and you are sitting here today and, 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 and having this discussion and having this debate. Bad decisions time and time and time again. And if I were in charge of Arsenal Football Club, if it were my football club, if I was the one writing the checks, I would not write a check for a striker that I don't think is going to take us to the next level. Just so a section of the fans are not sitting there complaining at the end of January that we didn't do any big business.
0: So you think Alexander Izak would have been a poor move because he was a lot of money Yeah, I'm not saying it would have been a poor move. I'm saying at a time
1: where let's, let's remember as well that obviously the pandemic is, is had an impact on the football clubs over the last two years or so. I'm saying that I don't believe Alexander Isak is worth €90 million. That's what I'm saying. And I think in the summer, where you've got a longer window and there is more opportunity and it's easier for somebody like Real Sociedad to say, OK, we'll take our time over negotiations and in the meantime, identify a replacement. I think you've got more chance of getting him for lower than that release clause. I think in January, when there's no time in the window left, and even if you did it on the 1st of January, Dan, it's still a very short window, I think that these guys, these clubs that we're talking about, the Real Sociedad's, are going to say, nope, pay the release clause or nothing. So I think in the summer, you could do that Isak deal for £60, £65 million, pounds,
0: in which case is worth it. So this is my point. Even if we got Isak, I still would have thought we would have been short because we got rid of ridiculous players. We didn't just get rid of a Aubameyang here. We got rid of other players as well. I look at this squad now. I think we're a centre-back short. I still think we need to upgrade on that, I won't even say, Granit checker, and I still feel we need two strikers, right? I still feel that there's five players here. Now, in the summer, there's probably more. We probably need seven or eight still in the summer. But in January, out of those five positions we're now short because we're getting rid of players, I'd like to have seen at least two covered. I was adamant on the last day we were going to get a centre midfielder and a centre forward. Whether it was Arta, whether it was Douglas Luiz, whether it was Ruben Neves, whether it was Bissouma, whoever it would be, I thought someone was coming in. And then up top, I thought it was going to be either Jonathan David or Alexander Izak. I thought it was going to be one of those two. To come away with neither of them, I'm like, it's poor. We've weakened our side. And you think we're going to score goals now with Lacazette? And I mean, like people are talking about Pepe and Martinelli having to come in to to help him out. I mean, that's hilarious. Nobody wanted Pepe a while ago. Everyone said he was useless. Now people are like, it's fine. Arteta knows what he's doing. He's bringing back Pepe. You think, what? You didn't want him last last month. You were glad he was in Africa. You didn't want him to come. I just don't get this fan base. They they come out with the most amazing amount of defensive and excuses to this guy. I've never heard so much rubbish in my life. There is excuses made for him. And that's because
1: that's how some people want to support their club. You know, they, they feel like they need to back their club and they'll support him. But equally, you can't deny that there's just as many people out there that are waiting for any reason to have a go at him. So it it works both ways, Dan. You know, there are people saying that, you know, we didn't get Dusan Vlavic It's Arteta's fault. It's because it's Arteta and he didn't want to come and work with Arteta. I mean, whatever way you work it, there are people on both sides of the spectrum that are over the top in their opinions and in their views. There are some that are too supportive of Mikel Arteta and there are others who are so non-supportive of him that they will look for anything they can To have a go. I just, I'm really struggling with how this window was a disaster. I don't think it was a success. I never said it was. I I don't think it was a success. But I don't think it was was a about What
0: was good about the window? Tell me what was great about the window. Because I can't see much apart from players going out. Yeah, but that's that's Abamyang. about of- We don't now now don't have to pay pay Aubameyang, which we still don't know what he's done. I mean, maybe he shagged his wife or something because it must be horrendously bad. It can't be turned up for training late, you know. This guy, these non-negotiables. Someone messaged me yesterday with a non-negotiables eleven, and it's ain't half a bad. Decent side, I tell you that. It's got some decent players in it. Um, I saw that. I saw that. But <laughs> that's unbelievable. But, that, but but some of that's
1: nonsense as well, though. It like it's and and that's a prime example of how you can twist things to make the argument the other way as well. You know, Nuno Tavares was in there as the guy that Mikel Arteta's fallen out with. He's played since that incident. He got substituted off because he was playing poorly. But because people want to jump on Arteta, that's bad management. Had George Graham done that or Sir Alex Ferguson done that, everybody would be talking about what brilliant management that was. So I think we need to find that balance. And I think just as much as there are people that will defend him to the hill, there are people that will do the opposite as well and, and dig him out wherever possible. Just bear with us uh, a quick moment. Just want to say a big welcome and hello uh, to Aaron Miller, who's just signed up to become a member of the channel. Aaron, thank you uh, yes, so, Aaron, so much. Good lad. Really appreciate it. Um, if you are listening via the audio platforms, we're going to take a short pause, but don't go anywhere. We will be back. Okay, uh, let's work our way uh, through the comments section, see what people are saying. Let's get some questions in uh, for the last little bit of the podcast. Just a quick plug while you're doing that. I was joined earlier on by Adrian Clark, uh, former Arsenal man, pundit, analyst, whatever you want to call him. He's brilliant. Um, Always gives great calm insight uh, on what's going on with the Arsenal. And uh, I caught up with him earlier today, so you can check that out. It's the last episode on the channel. And if you're listening via the podcast, it's the last episode episode in the feed. Uh, Dan, while we're waiting for a couple of questions, mate, tell people how they can follow you. Tell them about Lee Judges TV. Tell them
0: where they can come over for more content because there's lots of people in the chat that agree with you. (laughs) Mate, there's going to be a lot of people that disagree with me as well. Trust me. Um, I say how it is. People don't like to hear it, um, unfortunately. Uh, But there are a lot of people that are on the same wavelength and do demand the best for this wonderful club. Uh, If you do want to come and follow me on Instagram and Twitter, it's at danarsenal87. And I'm regularly uh, on both AFTV and Lee Judges TV as well me and Lee Judges have got a, a channel together which is um, which is Lee's channel to be fair and I'm just helping him out co-hosting it so if you do want to come over and subscribe we've got Harry on quite a lot over there as well to be honest if you're not fed up of him over here you can come and listen to him on Lee Judges TV as well um, where we get um, just as much banter and just as much debates between ourselves which is always good fun so I would appreciate you coming over and checking the content out uh, and see what you think if you're not a fan you don't have to subscribe you can come back over here and listen to Harry if you want but thank you mate <laughs> no worries
1: at all man uh we've got over 600 of you with us live right now across the multiple platforms we've only got 94 likes on the board though what is going on uh get Come on, involved people. hit the like button i'm gonna get dan to ask you for the likes Go on, dan it's always good
0: man you've you got to smash the like button otherwise um harry's gonna keep bringing me back on uh and uh moaning so if you don't hit the likes up then uh you know i'm gonna be coming back on and moaning and uh keeping everybody entertained in the chat so make sure you smash the like button yeah
1: brilliant stuff right let's go over to uh the comments section um and this kind of ties into something that dan said just before we had that short pause dan said what was good about the window and we we briefly touched on the abamiang situation um sports genius says harry are we overreacting on the abamiang situation for example my view on this and i'll get dan's view on this as well is is simple he wasn't going to play for us again it, you know whatever happened happened whatever went on behind the scenes it's really difficult to kind of make sense of it it's really difficult to uh, say with any conviction what happened because the the truth is we don't know but i think it was clear that he was never going to play for the arsenal again and one of the good things that came of this window uh, and and uh, and again i'm not saying it was a success overall but one of the good things that did come out of it is we've escaped 18 months worth of pierre emerick Aubameyang's 350 grand a week salary And that's a big saving for the club. What's your take on that, Dan?
0: So I think it's um, fine that we've let him go. I don't think there's an issue. He wasn't going to play again. He was taking 350k a week. There's no issues with him going. My problem was that we didn't replace him. Um, And whether you like or hate Aubameyang, he is a goal scorer. And um, he will do well at Barcelona. Um, He will score goals. He's not washed up. You know, he's 32 and he's still got pace. He's still got power and he can still score goals. So I personally feel... Like, um, it was a shame that we didn't replace him, but I have nothing wrong with him going out, particularly, Harry, if he wasn't going to kick a ball for Arsenal again. There's no point paying wages for someone who's never going to. So I was fine with him leaving. Um, Shame how it ended. I will say that because I liked Aubameyang and I thought he did a really good job for Arsenal over the last four years. Last 18 months have been difficult. Not replacing him could come back and shoot shoot himself in the foot with that. But we'll see what happens.
1: Let me um, just kind of, sidestep from that question into another relevant question before Hmm. we continue through the chat. You said that the, the problem was that we didn't replace him. And I agree that one of the issues was that we didn't bring in a striker. But would you have felt as strongly about us not bringing in a striker or anybody if we had kept hold of the players that we let go? Do you think that your reaction or your view is has been impacted by the fact that we let players go and isn't solely based on a lack. Of, OK,
0: 100 percent. If we would have kept the squad together, then I would have been disappointed. But I would have said that we still have cover. and niles is still here. We've still got Balogun um, who can come on and, and prevent Eddie from getting goes. We've still got Bamiyang. we can start to look at if he can be implemented back into the side. We've still got Chambers if, uh, in my opinion, there's an upgrade on Cedric. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Chambers, by the way. I think Pablo Mari is a better option than at centre back than Holding. He's a left sided. Um, left-footed, sorry, centre-half. So I would have been okay with that. There's only really Kolasinac that I can look at um, and potentially Chambers if we kept Pablo Marie that I would have been okay with getting rid of. All the others, I don't really get it. And Maitland-Niles is one of those players that can play in a few positions, so it would have been really handy for us. And I just don't get this, we can weaken our squad because we've only got one game a week. That could bite us in the backside, mate. You get a couple of injuries and a couple of COVID cases and we're down to bare bones again and we're looking at the under-23s, aren't we? Um, so, um, yeah, that, that's, that would be my answer for that, bro. Cool. Good stuff. Um, I think
1: this is a really important point and I know a lot of people that are anti Mikel Arteta or, or are struggling to, to see what's going on, uh, struggling to un- accept the direction in which we're moving. will say that this is just a cop out, but I think this is a really important point. Ray says, do you think because the culture of the club is being changed, uh, that sometimes the the players that the fans want are not necessarily the ones that the club want. We have to be clear on that, don't we, Dan? Like we have to understand that just because the fan base have, have built up a load of clamour online about someone and people, including myself, are dropping podcasts talking about players that <laughs> we like, it, it doesn't mean that the club are always going to follow the fans' advice, is it? Because no, I like I like this you question. Know, yeah, is it, I, what, what I like do you I about... like
0: this question a lot. I like this question, Ray. Top top lad, Ray. I like this question because I do think removing the culture has been important. I think the likes of Mustafi, Kolasinac, Ozil, um there was a little clique, wasn't there? David Luiz was another one um, who, who seemed to have, uh, you know, <laughs> another one who made mistakes. But I think they needed to go. And I think we were removing the culture of of old with the new. And I think that we do have to have a player that fits and suits the mentality of the club moving forward. But I don't think some of the names we were linked with were not going to do that. I honestly don't believe that. I don't think that we, we you know, got to a stage where we, we thought like Dusan Vlavic was going to come in and be an absolute Paul Pogba about things, or we weren't looking at a, a Mario Balotelli that's going to come and disturb stuff. I think the people we, was, we were looking at signing were all of the same ilk, of the same age and would have taken us forward. So Alexander Izak at 22 doesn't look like a troublemaker, neither does Dusan Vlavic. Bruno Gemaraes, from what I hear, is a, is a true professional and a very good player that could have done some, um, some good for us. The only player that we've been linked with that looks like he's got some off the field issues is obviously Basuma. And we didn't look like we were really in for him at all. So I don't really think that the players that we want are the players that are going to unsettle the club. And let's be honest, none of us know, Harry, because we ain't scouts (laughs) and we don't know the players. So, yeah, I think it's a good question, though, from Ray.
1: Definitely. Uh, Let's take this one from uh, Matt, who says, Harry, what happens to the process if we finish outside of the European places? Arteta isn't going anywhere. Look, I've been the first to say this. If we finish outside of the European places, then we need to take a long, hard look at ourselves in the mirror and decide whether this thing is working or not. And there will be a strong case that says it's not if we don't. Because last season was his first full season in charge, right? And I was willing to, um, to give him the benefit of the doubt there because of that. And I looked at it and there was a lot of players that weren't his. And you can see now that even at this stage, we're still moving out a, a big volume of players, which again suggests that these are players that he doesn't feel are the right ones moving forward. But if we don't get anywhere at the end of this season, if we don't see any progress at the end of this season, and I think that finishing outside of the European places would indicate a lack of progress, then you have to look at it again. And, and, You know, I've said that all along. I'm not flip-flopping on that. I'm not, you know, I'm not changing my stance. I just, I just want to see how the rest of this season pans out. Because although it feels a little bit doom and gloom after the transfer window shut and things weren't as we all hoped, doesn't mean the season's over. The season doesn't end on January 31st.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think I can understand the disappointment, but to say the season is over is is, mm-hmm. is wrong. There's still a lot to play for. I think with that question, I think he actually answered it back there in himself because he said, what happens to the process? Arteta's going nowhere. The process continues under this ownership and the manager continues under this ownership. We'll come 15th, the manager will stay. We come 4th, f- uh, the manager will stay. We come outside of the European places, just the manager will stay. The manager's going nowhere because the Cronkies are going nowhere. And they like this guy and they like what we're doing and they think eighth is acceptable and unfortunately i don't think the fan base should believe that eighth is acceptable but do you think, obviously, they, do you think they would leave him in though if he finished eighth again yeah i do yeah yeah i do i think they've they've they're have they going to look at this and say this is a process and a project we'll keep hearing these words so that doesn't mean if the project doesn't work after one year then you get rid of him if the project doesn't work after two years get rid of him this guy's got a, i reckon this guy's got at least four years here Unless the Cronkies sell up and go. Um, I think we're stuck with him. I do. Because he's he's bought all these players in now. We get another manager in. The way they're gonna look at it is, well, they're gonna to want to all want to know new players now. They might not want any of these players. For me, mate, you know, listen, look at what Antonio Conte is doing with Spurs. You know, if that was us, man, I would love to have this guy at our club. Like, we should be going for that. We should be going for a Simeone or Conte, you know. We really should not be looking at doing this. And unfortunately, we've gone through a process now of inexperience in every part of the club, whether it's Vinay, whether it's Edu, whether it's Arteta, whether it's young novice players, whether it's young coaching staff. We have got young people at the helm. And unfortunately, the inexperience just coincides with the neglect from the Cronkies. Because let's be honest, it's neglect. They've spent a lot of money, but they don't care who spends it and on what. They don't have a, give a damn where we spend it and who spends it. How many people have they given money to now? Raul, Ivan, uh, what was his name? Hus Fami, uh, Sven Mislintat, uh the other guy that I've completely forgotten now that's gone. So there's so many. That have, he's been yeah. given money to. It's never been about we're Arsenal don't spend money. That's what drives me crazy. Oh, we don't spend money. We can't compete with Man City and Chelsea. Why we well, spent more money than them? Then <laughs> we can compete with them. We're just choosing to spend it very, very unwisely. That's my yeah. Opinion. But that
1: comes yeah. That comes down to a, as you said, a lack of care and a lack of interest and a lack of competence in a lot of ways, right? Because they're not they're not owners that can look at it and go, well, you know, I'm watching the game here and I can see this, this and this and, and this is a concern. Of course. I'm going to talk to and consult my manager because he's the one that makes the footballing decisions, but there would never be that trigger point in Stan's mind other than the result that says this is wrong or that's wrong because they have no knowledge and no interest in the game. Uh, Jid says, uh, may I please challenge Dan Potts to an Arsenal debate? We'll do a phone in one
0: day. More than welcome, uh, man. More than welcome. As long as it's respectful and you don't come on and start abusing people because I've never abused people. We don't, we Uh. don't get that here, man. Don't worry. We're good. here. (laughs) We're good here. Uh,
1: Pratyush says, uh, Harry, I don't think you're right. 90 mil is uh, ninety mil for Isaac is a lot. But how do you know he won't be costlier in the summer since there are plenty of clubs after top strikers? First of all, mate, thank you for the kind donation. Really, really appreciate it. But he's got a 90 million euro release clause, so he can't be more expensive than that. You know, there, there might be a number of clubs that, that trigger that. And then it will be up to those clubs to then thrash out deals with Alexander Isak on a personal level because Real Sociedad would be legally obliged to accept any offer that triggers that release clause. Okay, let's take just a couple more. Um, wow, the comments are mounting up here. We, we chat for a couple of minutes and then I look back over and it's packed. Um, mm. What have we got? Um, I like this. Uh, GK Rienki. Is that, have I said that right? I don't know. I, I agree 100% with everything said. But consider this. At the start of the season, we were all unsure about things. We trusted the manager thus far. So let's have faith. And if it all goes tits up, then I'll tear out. Yeah. And look, if people are saying at the end of the season that he he should be binned out uh, based on the results, then, then I think that that's a fair case to have. I just... I just think that it's it's amazing the ups and downs that we go through. You know, at the beginning of the season, it was get him out. Then we went on this really positive run. Towards the back end of last year, we were playing some of the best football we've seen under Mikel Arteta. Everything was rosy. January come along and everything went to shit. And and, and as I keep saying, this team is not good enough to be consistent throughout the course of the season. And, and there's so many young players in that 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 was always going to be an issue. All I keep saying is, and and the way I keep looking at this to keep myself sane is, there will be dips. It's about how quickly we can recover from them. And if we come back after this break and recover immediately and get back on decent form, then there's no reason why we can't go on and achieve all the things we need to. Uh, Waynes, thank you so much for your donation, mate. Really, really appreciate it. He says, um, big up, Harry and Dan. Dan, I disagree with you. Rather, we don't sign a player instead of signing just anybody because we need a body pay 90 million for a player in Isak who scored four goals all season. I mean, I can understand that reservation, Dan, that people have over Isak because Hmm. we've sat here and said, well, Lacazette's only scored however many goals. Yet we're advocating the club going out and doing a deal for 90 million euros on a player who scored one more.
0: And my answer to that would be, do they want him? The answer is no, don't go and get him. And that's what I mean by if you want Alexander Rizak and you have to pay the release clause, otherwise you're not going to go and get him. If you want the player that much, then go and get him. And if you don't want him, don't go and get him. Go and get your next target. It's not like we only want one player this window. And if he's not available, there's no one else. We don't Oh, I would we'll go anywhere near anyone else. That's just really lazy. That's just terrible. You need to have targets, man. And let's be honest, we need another one. We need to be doing this in the summer because we have zero strikers anyway. So what are we going to do? None of them we really want. So we're just going to have to keep Balogun up top on his own and and bring Moller in and, and Biref, um and try and give Eddie a new contract. Is that what we're going to do? Or are we going to go and look at signings? Are we going to be here in the summer again and say, we don't justify 90 millions on Isaac, I'm afraid. We're going to have to keep Eddie. Do we do that? Is, that? is that the right thing to do? Maybe it is. Maybe people are happy with that. I don't know. But I, I'm just saying I wouldn't be. Um, and I feel we need to go in for at least a couple of strikers in the summer. And I don't think we can really sit there and moan about it if they're going to be a lot of money because there's going to be a lot more teams in Arsenal that want these players. Yeah, I agree. And I don't even mind
1: them being a lot of money as long as it's the one (coughs) that we That's all right. As long as we think it's the one that we should be getting. And, 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 And that's what it's all about, right? It's about getting the right man in. It doesn't matter what he costs if he's the right man. But I just... I get the impression that you know, Vlavic was the one that they deemed to be the right man, and they couldn't. And he do was that. the right man,
0: hundred yeah. percent. I-, I love and the player,
1: exactly. And they couldn't do that, so they looked elsewhere. They were willing to go to a certain point, and clearly felt that they weren't going to cross that. And I don't, I might not like that, but I respect it. If you know what I mean, I think it's um, it's a, a fair stance to take. Uh, let's just take this one from Harold, who says. Um, Harry, what is your honest opinion on the Cronkies? And and I don't know if you, you're you doing it for this reason, Harold. Thank you for the question. Thank you for the donation. But a lot of people ask these questions because, and I'm not saying you're doing this, but they ask these questions because they think I won't slag them off because they think I've got some kind of skin in the game uh, when it comes to the Cronkies and the club. And I really don't. Uh, honestly, I don't. Uh, my honest opinion on the Cronkies is that they've, you know, they, they've been the, the primary reason for this club's decline because they've put incompetent people into positions of power. They've masked their incompetence with the fact that they've thrown money at certain situations and they're simply passive owners who don't really care. This is just another business in a portfolio that they have. That's what we are to the Cronkies. And I don't think, and I've said this before we'll ever win the premier league title again, uh, unless they leave for me. That's that's clear because They'll, they'll always make enough investment to be seen to be investing, but they'll never make enough to take us to that next level and see us compete with the cities and the Chelsea's. And they do it in a really sly way. They restructure debts. They make you think that they've put their hands in their pockets when actually they've just done some uh, sort of financial work around to free up funds. They'll invest at certain points, but they'll not follow it up in the following windows. I.e., you've seen that last summer they invested, didn't follow it up in January. That's what they do. They're playing a game. And, and I believe oh, that
0: as long You're going to end the stream. You're gonna have to end the stream soon, mate. Me and you are agreeing here. Eh? What's happening?
1: <laughs> as long as as long as long they're at the helm of Arsenal Football Club, then Arsenal won't win the Premier League. we got to hope that we've got a, a manager and a group of players through good recruitment done by those that actually work day-to-day within the club and coached well by whoever it is in the dugout. And that's our, our only chance of closing the gap. A bit like Liverpool in the sense of their owners have been good in a lot of people's eyes because of the success that Liverpool have had. But you talk to a Liverpool fan, Dan, they'll tell you they didn't invest when
0: they needed to. They'll tell you that they missed out on good players because they've owned If the I'm sport, honest with you, know, Harry, how many... I went, I was asked this question yesterday, funny enough, just really quickly, really quickly this, because I think it's important on what we're talking about. I was asked uh, yesterday how I thought the transfer window was, and I said, I think it's shocking, real shambles. I'm not happy with the way that we run. Um, and he said to me, name me... Name me clubs that are well run. And they really are few and far between. I think mm. Liverpool run well. I think Leicester are run well. That's it for England. I think the others are just, you know, getting by or, they're, or they've got a sugar daddy in. Um, I think that in uh, Germany, you've got Dortmund and Bayern Munich that look to be run pretty well. I think Ajax are a club that are run well. And I don't know much about some of the other leagues, but I believe that some of the teams in Portugal, like Benfica and all that, have been run quite well from what people tell me. But I'm struggling after that, mate because they've got owners like Stan Kroenke. It's not just, you know, you know what, I speak to Manchester United, they're not happy with the Glazers, you know, at all. Um, uh, Tottenham are not happy with Joe Lewis, Daniel Levy and, and Enoch. They're not happy at all. So it isn't just Kroenke here. I think we need to stress that. But you're yeah, spot but on it, with everything you're saying. In terms is of- it
1: though? Is it because we're now comparing these types of owners? So these, well, you've got two types of owners, right? You've got... The Man City owners, the PSG owners, the the Chelsea owners who bought these football clubs as play toys and as hobbies and so were willing to to put money and actually were interested in how those teams did. And they put money into bringing top players and to elevate the profile of their clubs. And then you've got another type of owner who is operating it as a business. And we've got an owner like that. Spurs have got an owner like that. Um, Manchester United have got owners like that. You know, at West Ham, have got owners like that. And then you've got, as I say, the, the, the cities and the Chelsea's who are in a different world. Hasn't football always been like this, where owners have operated football clubs like a business? Maybe. But now we've seen the other side of how it can be. We're always mm. comparing them to something that's a bit of a pipe. We thing. always
0: want that. We always want a Chelsea or mm. Man City situation. Some Arsenal fans don't. Some Arsenal fans would rather us do their business like Liverpool and Leicester. Well, not Leicester because, you know, they're not as successful, but you get my point. Um, and I respect that. And that's why I always want Liverpool to win the league over City or Chelsea um, because of the way they've done it. But I would take anything to have an owner like Roman Abramovich. You know, Thomas Tuchel was a game away from getting sacked the other day, apparently. But because he beat Tottenham, he's now safe. Just won the Champions League. People go, that's a disgrace. 15 managers in 15 years. Give me the 15 trophies they've won though, mate. I don't care how many managers we have. I I want success in football. I demand the best. And that's what Roman Abramovich does. So I'd take him 100%, mate.
1: Yeah, no, good stuff, man. Uh,
0: 160 likes on the board, 550 of you live with us
1: now on YouTube. Let's get that up to 200 by the time uh, the outro rolls. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel if you're new. If you want to go one further and become a member, you can do so by clicking on the link in the description. A big welcome to those that have signed up during this show. We've had 505 votes on our poll in the chat. And the question was, can we maintain our push for the top four with this squad and it's a lot closer than I thought it was going to be 56% of you say no you think we'll fall a little bit short and 44% of you say yes so uh, interesting reading on that one we'll be back very very soon with more Arsenal and football related content until then take care of yourselves my thanks to Dan and uh, we'll speak soon all the best